Hello, and welcome to Veterans for Responsible Leadership's podcast in Accountable America. I'm your producer and co-host, Jason Belcher. I'm an Iraq veteran and former Air Force officer. Today, we're going to be talking with the VFRL team, getting a chance to hear about their experiences and why they joined the organization. And there's no better place to start than with VFRL's president and founder, Dr. Dan Barkov, who is a current emergency room physician and former Navy SEAL. Dan, over to you. Jason, thanks so much. Uh, I'm really excited about this project that uh, VFRL is up to in 2023. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to introduce some of my uh, frequent visitors to the pod and, and frequent co-hosts. Um, I'm going to start with uh, a gentleman who has been with us for several years now, fellow uh, Navy naval officer, um and uh and uh, former uh fighter pilot in his former life uh, michael smith mike why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself yeah dan thanks um so my personal background i grew up in boise idaho born in casper wyoming spent a little bit of time in uh in alaska but from the age of six until i graduated high school i was there in boise uh loved backpacking skiing when i was a kid parents were very middle class um, hard work and dad was a teacher um, and then moved into computers my mom was a nurse um, and then I was fortunate enough in 98 to uh, to go to the the US Naval Academy uh, wasn't something that most people expected of me but um, I just felt very uh, drawn to the opportunity to serve drawn to the opportunity to, to develop myself uh, as a leader and uh, drawn to, to a life that was a little bit less ordinary uh, while at the Academy I studied uh, uh, control systems engineering uh, with a little bit of uh, political science on the side and I went off and became a pilot f-18 pilot I uh, spent about four years going through flight school in various locations throughout the south uh, Pensacola Florida Meridian Mississippi Corpus Christi Texas and Virginia Beach Virginia was stationed in Japan uh, spent three years there with my stuff at least was there for three years I was mostly out on the USS Kitty Hawk did three deployments there uh, came back uh, did three years as an instructor in Virginia Beach uh, where I taught young men and women how to fly the jet my last year as the demo pilot, so doing air shows all over the East Coast. And then I ran cruise missiles for the U.S. 6th Fleet. Got out um, in 2014, off and back to duty, uh, stayed in the reserves, uh, started a couple of companies in the climate space uh, about post-fire reforestation uh, called Renew West that we planted a couple million trees in Northern California and are, uh, are really proud of that. The second one's a company called Acclimate, which is climate management software for small businesses. But... Um, I got involved with VFRL based upon an experience that I had um, uh, on a Facebook group, and I was invited to it by a fellow veteran. And I was frustrated by the fact that like, um, our country felt like it was going in, in some very wrong directions. Everything that I knew about leadership uh, was not what I was seeing in our elected uh, representatives. Uh, everything that I knew about uh, the Constitution and about service, um, and about what it, you know, how our system of government was supposed to work uh, was failing. <clears throat> Uh, so I kind of screamed into the ether um, that ether that was this Facebook group uh, for VFRL, and Dan saw that there was this uh, particularly uh, vocal uh, complainer, and he said, "Well, hey, how about you come help us out?" Uh, one thing led to another, and I became uh, the executive director of, uh, of VFRL for about a year there in 2020, um, which was a time of big growth for uh, for the organization, and I, I couldn't be more proud of, of the opportunity to serve there. I've since handed the ED role over to Abby. Um, remain on the board, um, and I just uh, com am committed uh, as part of you know that 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 lifetime of service that I think everybody that goes into the service feels. Um, I'm committed to, to continuing to help uh, 
And so I'm honored to be here, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Mike. That's uh, um, that's a, that's a perfect intro, and and uh, yeah, I seem to remember that Facebook conversation too, buddy. Uh, it was good stuff. So uh, with that, why don't we move on to uh, the uh, the woman the uh, who has taken over for Mike as executive director, um, who in the beginning kind of didn't know what she was doing, and is now you know <laughs> texting me daily and telling me. Uh, uh, you know, using words I have to look up in the dictionary um, about compliance scheduling and FEC and primaries and elections. And uh, that's our executive director, uh, Abby Patterson. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, so my name is Abby. I'm the executive director of VFRL. My dad is a Coast Guard veteran, and my grandfather is an Army vet, and I worked on veteran and military policy in grad school and got connected to the organization through Mike, who trusted me and had me come on at the time as deputy director of operations and slowly moved my way up to this position. Um, So I came on as VFRL's first and only employee, having absolutely no idea what I was doing. Uh, But this job has taught me so much and has really pushed me to grow and be more than I ever really knew was possible for myself at such a beginning point in my career. So I'm so grateful. And I want to be here because um, I grew up in Alabama being the most liberal person in my school and my family. And then all of a sudden moved to Colorado for grad school and became the most conservative person in the room. Um, And having kind of being taken back on what happened, uh, the culture shock and the difference. And I became really dedicated to the importance of bipartisanship, civility, and the idea of country over party. Um, I just have a deep respect of individual cultures and their diverse political opinions. And I think that BFRL is kind of the perfect space to get to be a part of that. Um, I always like to say I have a Dolly Parton way of viewing the world and politics. And I think that there is a kind and respectful way to have these discussions. And I think that VFRL is the perfect place to do that in this podcast. Um, In my free time, I like working in my garden, traveling and spending as much time as I can outside. My fiance and our dogs uh, live in a very tiny cottage in rural Arkansas by the lake by the lake and we we absolutely love it so yeah i'm just i'm happy to be here and happy to be a part of this that's incredible yeah i mean abby you've you've done a fantastic job you know uh we'll get into this more as the the year goes on i'm sure but you know anytime i hear some curmudgeonly old person complaining about the kids today i'm like nah the, the kids are all right man so uh you know abby's abby's killing it so we appreciate it and uh um, I'll move on to our uh, <clears throat> token army uh, army service member uh, Ryan Hill, and, and hopefully he can uh, tell you a little bit about ourselves. So you don't think we're just a bunch of uh, swashbucklers here. Well, thanks, Dan. Someone has to bring some legitimacy to the organization, so I'm doing the best that I can with that. Uh, so pleasure to be here, uh, Ryan, and I am one of the rare Colorado natives who also still lives in Colorado. And any any thoughts one may have around growing up in Colorado being all about skiing and hiking and mountain biking and rock climbing and all this stuff, I, I can only confirm that those stereotypes are in fact correct, at least in my case. Uh, it was a wonderful place to grow up. 
And I, I found I loved it so much that I enlisted in the Colorado Army National Guard while I was going through ROTC at the same time, and then commissioned after getting a degree in sociology and went into logistics. Um, first duty station was the 82nd Airborne, so I started off my career in the Army as a paratrooper, deployed to Iraq for a while for 14 months, um, and then coming back, I was able to come back to Colorado and be in the 4th Infantry Division, where I deployed to Afghanistan. Some great experiences there, uh, rolled, rolled on into Turkey with NATO for a while, so got to see really what life is like on that uh, international scale with a big alliance, and then finished up my time active duty by teaching at the United States Military Academy at West Point, which was just a wonderful last assignment to be at. Um, been out for about five, six years now, and I have been in the startup world, the nonprofit world, consulting, and I currently run global leadership development for a large international company. And I thought that I was done. After 11 years in uh, for active duty, I figured, hey, I've, I've done my piece. It's time for someone else to step up. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. But I've got two young kids at home, very young, uh, who are just my world and, and thinking about the world that they are in now and that they will continue to exist in. And that I couldn't just sit by and watch all this partisan fighting, all of the uh, challenges to democracy, the challenges against our Constitution that just didn't sit well. I couldn't just say, hey, I did my time on the battlefield. My jersey's hanging from the rafters. I'm done. I, I saw, I actually read an article in the New York Times that they'd done a, an interview with Dan that motivated me to reach out to the email address on the VFR website and say, hey, what can I do? How may I support? Had a few conversations with, with Abby, and and then uh, you brought me into the fold, even though I did serve in the Army. So I appreciate the opportunity to continue to serve and continue to promote what this country stands for. Thanks, Ryan. I, I appreciate that. The uh... You know, it's it's interesting that um, our Facebook group, you know, VFRL's origins were kind of in, you know, people I knew from the Navy, basically, and we, we skewed pretty heavily towards uh, Navy and Marine Corps veterans in the beginning, and then, um, you know, as, as, as time went on, some of, some of our most valuable members are, you know, Army guys, you know, Coast Guard, Air Force folks from all sort of branches and, and walks of life, and, and even some of our members from, you know, past conflicts before we were around. Um, you know, we've got uh, we've got folks who uh, you know were drafted into the Vietnam War and, and humping uh, rucks in the Ashaw Valley, and it's it's incredible to hear everyone's story, um, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, speaking of stories and telling stories. I'm going to shift over to our communications director, um, extraordinaire down in uh, the great state of Florida. Um, we tried to find Florida man, but it didn't work. So we've got Mariah and uh, Mariah Rabideau, who's going to um, uh, tell us a little bit about herself. Thank you, Mariah. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, you know, we have a great Florida man running our, our state right now. So it's fun to watch. Um, so I gave myself the, the title of Director of Communications and Information Strategy with VFRL because I feel like what I do most of the time is I, I listen to what the leadership team is saying and I try to come up with creative ways to connect with our community on what we're angry about, what we're frustrated about, what we want to hear more of. So it's, it's a unique uh, listening position more than anything else. 
Um, I am a creative communicator, a mama to a phenomenal third grader and three fur babies. I'm also an Army Reserve wife. Um, like Dan said, I'm living in Florida. I'm living in South Florida, so it's even more unique. I'm down here with Broward County and Miami-Dade County and West Palm County. It's very different. Um, I'm also an Army brat. Uh, my parents always said a, called me a Desert Shield, Desert Storm baby. Um, and I've lived all over the U.S. and Italy. I'm also a proud UF Gator and recently completed my master's, both in communications. Professionally, I've focused uh, on strategic and cre creative communication, but I've worked in public affairs, diplomatic relations at the US State Department, um, nonprofit leadership, and communication strategy for educational institutions. Right now, I'm working for a historic financial firm and I'm just doing creative internal communications and strategic engagement for some cross-functional product teams, just helping them translate their very technical ideas to something more understandable and a little bit more executive. I volunteer for a few different organizations too, um, entirely too much if you ask my wife, <laughs> but I got involved in VFRL a few months after January 6th I felt so frustrated with what happened that day and with how our democracy was transforming into an autocracy right in front of us. And it was scary because I remember thinking, how do you stop this? How do we stop what's happening as it's happening in front of us? Uh, my wife came across the Facebook group and encouraged me to reach out. I connected with Abby, who immediately swooped me in and said, yes, come do this. We want you to do this. And I've had so much fun working with everyone in, at VFRL and, and really engaging with our unique community because I, I think what's really fun about VFRL is, is the community the most. I mean, it's so unique. The political perspectives are across the spectrum. The personal experiences are from all walks of life. Um, and I really believe the, the veteran voice is essential for all of us to hear. Um, I grew up around it, <laughs> so maybe maybe that's a me thing. That's all I heard growing up. Um, all my uncles and aunts and godparents, they were all my, my parents' battle buddies. So, But I feel like veterans and their families are, are uniquely positioned to balance what's going on in, in our democracy right now. Thanks, Mariah. Yeah, and, you know, that's been the idea all along, right, is that we, as citizens, have a responsibility and a duty uh, that did not end when we, you know, as, as Ryan was saying, it didn't end when we took off the uniform. Um, our time as soldiers and, and sailors and, and those sorts of things ended, but, um, you know, we're, we're still Americans. And we've got to, you know, try to better our country for the next generation, um, just as they will have their own struggles, right? And just as the, the people ahead of us had their struggles. So, um, you know, it's, it's great to have you aboard. Um, yeah, that's exactly right, Dan. And uh, the next member of our team that we wanted to introduce is Mr. Glenn Schatz, who is the vice president of the VFRL Board of Directors and a former Naval Submarine Officer. Uh, welcome, Glenn. Well, it's uh, good to be here today. I was one of the early members of VFRL. I worked for Naval Academy, like Dan, and was involved in uh, some some shared Facebook groups. And so, 
when he came up with the concept of VFRL, I knew it was something that I was interested in. Um, I, I started off my career as a submarine officer. Um, I was a naval academy grad, played football there, uh, was a political science major. So definitely involved in, in policy and, and you know, was interested in how government works. I actually had a chance to be a congressional page when I was in high school, so it was like very plugged into um, you know, what Congress was like. But, but it was interesting because that was right after the uh, Clinton impeachment. So you know, the, what I thought politics was at its most rough and tumble uh, was actually like nothing compared to, to what it is today. And I saw that even despite the, the boisterousness of, uh, of Newt Gingrich and, and that era of Republicans, um, they all were, I wouldn't say necessarily all doing it for the right reasons, but um, there were a lot of people that were doing it for the right reasons. And there was a, a huge decline over the next decade, um, really people that you know had different policy views that were arguing for for policy started really getting away from policy and, and focusing more on these culture war issues and I think initially you know there was some there's some truth that there are definitely different types of people in this country with different values and I think that they did feel like certain values were being attacked but then once they went all in on it it got away from policy and, and those values and more about winning. And so, you know, I, I really got away from politics when I was in the military. I was after duty for seven and a half years. Um, and when I got out of the military, I looked up and, you know, saw how bad things were getting and started to get a little bit more involved. I um, volunteered for the, the John Huntsman campaign, uh, not very long lasting campaign. Um, you know, I was, I was always a big fan of Senator Kane. I've always considered myself pretty moderate, um, you know, probably slightly right of center on national security issues, slightly left of center on social issues. But, um, you know, there was a home in both parties for that type of person uh, at the time. And growing up in Arizona, I ended up on the on the right side of that aisle, but I could have seen myself on the left side in other places. Um, and then, uh, you know, when VFR came around, it was really in response to what started to be a much, much more extreme rhetoric from, from folks on the right. And then when Trump got in, uh, it really clarified our purpose. And so I, I really wanted to get as involved as I could, uh, even though I have a day job, and in some cases, several day jobs. Um, and the, the, um, the VFR gave me the opportunity to continue to try to be engaged in what I would call civic responsibility without having to necessarily do things like run for office, which while something that I'd always considered and, and, and might want to do um, at some point in my life, the older I get, the more I think it's gonna be at the local level and not the national level. Um, but I think that there are really some existential crises that our country's facing and, and I, I wanted to be able to try to do something about it even if it was a little, um, a little bit. And so you know, working with Dan and the rest of the team has been really clarifying um, because it helps me stay positive when I know there, there, are, there are lots of other people like me out there. In fact, the majority of people are probably like me. We're just not the loudest. And sometimes um, we have to be, you know, us, us moderates or centrists have to be almost radical in our, in our moderation, right? Because when we're trying to pull people back towards the center, it's not enough just to stay out of the way, which is kind of what 
and the moderates sometimes do, we actually have to actually pull people toward us. And I, I see VFRL as a, a great opportunity and, and mechanism to do that. You know, the, uh, the, the last uh, person on the, on the call we want to introduce is our, our producer co-host, Jason. Uh, Jason um, is, is another, uh, we're geographically scattered. I mean, this is one of the um, uh, incredible things to, to come out of modern technology, just the fact that we can uh, have discussions like this. But uh, Jason in the, in the great state of Kentucky, and, uh, you know, why don't you, Jason, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I was on active duty in the Air Force for 10 years, although it was uh, since I left active duty, I, I left in 2007, so it's been quite some time. Uh, my wife was also active duty, so we were a mill-to-mill -mill, uh, married couple uh, for many years there. They would not give us a, uh, a joint assignment until we actually got married. Uh, they said they don't do joint dating assignments, but they do do joint spouse assignments. So uh, w once we were formally married, they actually uh, made that happen for us, and I was very thankful that we were able to get to the uh, to the same uh, the same base for a while. I, I served with the 552nd Air Control Wing out at Tinker Air Force Base. That's an AWACS squadron. Um, I deployed to Iraq uh, in 2006 on a ground assignment. And it's interesting to me when I when I think back on that. You know, when I came home from that uh, deployment, uh, my two sons were were still very small. I mean, my oldest was you know I think two, and my uh, my youngest one was actually born during my deployment. And now my oldest one is getting ready to enlist in the Marine Corps. He has a ship out date in July, and I was we were we were talking a little bit earlier before we started doing the, the show formally. Um, his recruiter gave him a suggestion on how to improve his uh, upper body strength to get past those uh, you know the physical fitness test. So he put a pull-up bar above his door, and any time he enters or exits the room, day or night, he has to do at least one pull-up, one coming in, one going out, and he's been doing it. I mean, I'll hear him up there to go get a drink of water at like you know two in the morning. He's up there, and you can hear the creak of the door because he's doing a pull-up. Uh, in the middle of the night to, to keep that going. So I, I was impressed by that. I love seeing that kind of dedication. And uh, so whenever I hear folks talk about this generation, uh, you know, I can't speak for the whole uh, or generalize too much, but I can tell you that there are some out there that are, that are hardworking and dedicated just like there always were. So uh, I, I feel pretty good about the, uh, the younger generation, and I look forward to seeing what they're going to be able to accomplish. Uh, of course, it makes me feel kind of old <laughs> to, to think that you know, your, your oldest son now is going to be wearing the uniform and then you've been out for you know, 16 years, but it, it's still uh, mostly a pride thing and a little bit of terror because, uh, you know, when you think about yourself getting hurt, it's just you. Uh, but when it's, uh, you know, a child, that's that's a whole different uh, game. So I've, I've gained a new measure already of respect for folks who already have children who are serving in the military. That's a whole different thing than doing it yourself. Thanks, Jason. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, one of my, one of the, uh, you know, most powerful stories, and we should we should have him on the pod. Um, we have a, a member who uh, was an Iraq veteran himself, who, who lost his son in Iraq. Um, you know, shortly he came home, and and uh, you know, a couple of months later, his son went over and, and was killed over there. And um, you know, I, I do think it, it's you know it, to to send your you know the 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 pride and joy of, of your life and. and you know, understand that they're their own person. I mean, you know, that's, that's some pretty heavy stuff, man. So, um, you know, thank you for that. And, and, you know, we're, we're all too old and long in the tooth to do it anymore, but it's, yeah, the kids are all right, man. Um, 
So, you know, Jason, why don't you uh, kind of tell us what we're uh, what to expect with this uh, um, Unaccountable America and what sort of uh, fun conversations to look forward to? Yeah, great. Uh, so we're going to be having on uh, retired military leaders, uh, experts in history and foreign affairs, uh, different social and political commentators. And the idea is sort of to learn, you know, what it takes to shape uh, an accountable America. Uh, because a government that isn't you know, accountable and isn't responsive to the will of the voters uh, is not one that's going to last very long and it's not one that's going to be very successful. And so I know that there are a lot of veterans out there who feel just like some of the, the folks we've already heard from the same, that even though we don't wear the uniform anymore, we still feel that same obligation, that, that same commitment to service. And we're looking for new ways in which we can uh, fulfill that. And so this is one of those. Uh, being a voice to speak up and highlight concerns that we have about the country and solutions. Uh, you know, the first flag officer I ever worked for used to have a saying, you know, don't tell me problems, tell me solutions. Um, so we should keep that in mind, too, that it's, it's okay to highlight the problem so that we understand what's going on. But we want to have uh, some of those solutions in our hip pocket, too, uh, so sort of move us towards resolution. Because otherwise, you know, without solutions, you're kind of just... Uh, just talking about problems, and that's that's a good first step. But the, the full part is to uh, to look for those solutions. So the podcast is a way to do that, and a way to elevate that voice uh, to a national level, so that other veterans can hear that and take heart and realize that when they that when they feel that that there are ways for them to exercise and to still act on that uh, that commitment they have towards service and uh, improving the country. And this is one of the ways that we can do that. So I'm I'm proud to be a part of it. I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of the organization. And I look forward to uh, the things that we're gonna have a chance to discuss and the people we'll get a chance to interview as we go forward in this new year of 2023. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, you know, when I think about the podcast and, and what I'm kind of most excited about is, you know, to be honest, it, it sort of plays to our strengths, right? Like the, the long form communication right? The, the ability to have a conversation. Um, it's really difficult to tell someone who, you know, didn't serve to, to explain to someone uh, what it's like, uh, what do you feel you owe your brothers and sisters who didn't come back in a tweet, right? It's really difficult to explain um, how, you know, we think that uh, there's creeping authoritarianism in this country. Um, it's really difficult to explain, uh, you know, what it's like for an African-American service member who uh, is serving in a country, uh, the military of a country, uh, in which he may not feel um, valued in the same way that uh, a white citizen does. Um, same thing for, you know, uh, female service members or, or, or uh, LGBT uh, service members. And it plays to our ability to, to talk about these issues and to kind of break down some of these communication barriers and, and really the information silo that, that people get stuck in when we, when we rely on, uh, you know, sound bites on a news program or, or, you know, the Twitterverse. So that's probably the thing I'm most excited. I mean, I'm also really excited because we've got a great guest list. I mean, we've got some, some A-listers. Uh, my buddy Steve Kornacki is going to come on. Um, 
he's a, a childhood friend of mine. Uh, Sebastian Younger is going to come on of Restrepo fame. Uh, you know, he, he wrote Tribe. Uh, he's written Freedom. Um, we've got some really fascinating folks, uh, some Vietnam-era guys. Um, we've got some, some academics lined up to talk about, uh, you know, where we are in this historical moment. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to be kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of a wild ride. So we're, we're really excited to, you know, to put forth our argument that an accountable America starts with us, and it starts with people recognizing that they have duties as citizens. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to get this, get this rolling. Yeah, it's going to be great. And, you know, podcasting is one of those mediums as a growth industry. Um, and precisely for one of the reasons that you just mentioned, um, you get a chance to really get some depth. Uh, it's very easy to get a lot of uh, quick hitting sound bites, but you don't honestly get the, uh, the depth and exploration of issues. And because so many of them are so complex, um, it's difficult to really mine the, uh, the depths without having to have the time to go into issues individually. And we have a certain, you know, veterans group such as this one, we also have a certain expertise and credibility. For example, if folks had questions about, say, why are we arming Ukrainians or what are we sending to Ukraine, we don't really understand what's going on. Folks that have deployed before, who have served before, we have a, a unique expertise and skill set to look at that situation and give them an informed analysis about what's going on beyond just uh, the agendas that are being pushed by folks on whichever political persuasion they may be, we're independent of that. And so we can provide a, a little bit of, a, of an informed perspective. And I think that's valuable, not just to veterans, but to the entire body of citizens for the country. Absolutely. And it's, it's going to be fun. It's, this is going to be a fun podcast, you know, um, in, in keeping with, uh, you know, the best of, of military and veterans traditions, uh, um, you know, there might be a few, uh, um, there might be a few expletives deleted, you know, we might have to beep some things out if I get fired up about, uh, about certain things and, and, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep it fun and we're going to keep it light and we're going to explore these issues and we're going to talk about them, uh, as citizens with, with other citizens. And, um, I, I think we can do some good with this and I'm, re I'm really sort of, uh, very, very excited about this. This is going to be great great time. So, um, you know, I wanted to give Jason, uh, you know, a chance here to, to perhaps maybe touch on the, the format of the show, how it's going to look uh, in weeks to come. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it's a, it's a discussion format. We want to have discussions with our guests and give them the opportunity to share their expertise and their unique uh, backgrounds and their perspectives on events that we're talking about. So when you get a chance to have someone who has a, a really unique skill set, uh, experience set, or expertise, that gives you the tool with which to really drill down into those depths that we were talking about. So to really get some depth into the discussion, because that's where you'll find the deeper and larger truths to help you make, to help citizens make informed decisions as they go about their, their lives. You know, we all have uh, jobs to do. We all have families to take care of. Uh, but we still have this responsibility as citizens to try to direct the policies of our country uh, towards ends that we feel are, are morally justifiable and in our nation's best interest. And so if we see or hear other elected officials not doing that, then we have an obligation to speak up. And that's an, this will provide us with a platform to do that uh, in a way that will bring together 
uh, powerful voices uh, with unique experience sets to shed light on what those mistakes are and what we think the solutions might be. Awesome, Jason. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, um, with that, I think uh, we'll we'll uh, you know kind of wrap up our first episode here, and uh, we'll uh, you know our, our teaser episode, so to speak. Um, and uh, we hope to hear you guys and, and, and hear from you and, and see you guys. Um, the pod is going to be hosted by uh, Resolute Square, uh, which is. Uh, a website uh, dedicated to promotion of, of democracy. You got some other great podcasts on there. Uh, Rick Wilson, uh, Joe Trippy, um, kind of uh, doing their their political podcasts on there. There's some great articles. I've written a couple articles for for the folks at Resolute Square, and um, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, folks. So we we hope you will tune in and uh, hope to see you next time with our our first guest uh, and. Uh, should be coming out President's Day, President's Day weekend. So mid February, you'll have our the first uh, the first episode of Unaccountable America. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, VFRL team members, and thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the organization, you can find us on Facebook or online at www.vfrl.org.